tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. There's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Oh, by the way, um, we've been having, this is something that's really neat. Uh, at uh, If you go to the website, or better yet, get the app, which any idiot can do it. I know, I've done it. Uh, you can get the app if you, on your mobile device, as they think they call them these days. And uh, the carols of comfort and joy, You can. it's a really nice way to get ready for, for uh Christmas and they're appropriate. They're not over, you know, they're not over the top, uh, you know, uh, no holly jolly Christmases. They're, they're, but today is St. Nicholas Day and, and, uh, the Willows Academy Choir sings, uh, on the website, Jolly Old St. Nicholas and it's, it's really good. So you'll enjoy. All right. With that said, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us now go to the big book on the coffee table. Oh, going to have fun with these readings. Well, this is Isaiah, the 25th chapter, the 6th to the 10th verse. And um, it's just it's just a, a kind of, um, well, I don't know. It's just me. Uh, this, this uh, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide, a fee, uh, will provide for all peoples. Note that, all peoples. In other words, not just the nation of Israel. And that's important in the readings that we're going to see today. Um, the uh, uh, On this mountain, and of course that's referring to to Jerusalem. So uh, there, that's, you know, the, the Mount Zion. It's interesting. Uh, everything's interesting. I, oh, well. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Mount Zion is the western hill of the old city of Jerusalem now, but it was, it used to be the, the Eastern Hill. Um, the, the, uh, 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 oh, this is fun. I'm looking at, it's not our word of the day, but it's fun. It, it used to be the Eastern Hill. And over the course of history, people started calling the Western Hill Mount Zion. It's all Mount Zion. 
but the the fun part is the the translation of of this this banquet that's described. And I've got to back up here. Uh, let me let me click there. Uh, a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy, rich food, pure choice wines. That, let us look at the menu here. It's uh, the Lord will make. I mean, Y H W H uh, Hashem. The, the name will make. Uh, uh, and it's interesting. Sabaoth. You heard that that word, uh, Lord God. Sabaoth. It's it means the armies. Uh, the Tzaba, it, it's about the, the Lord of hosts. When you hear, okay, oh gosh, I'm so off the track, but well, it's fun. Good grief. We got a, amen. We got a problem in English with the word host. Host can mean a lot of things in English. A host. I need to go thank my host for this wonderful party. There was a host of people at the banquet. The enemy host attacked and of course the priest lifted the consecrated host is that four words or five words where do they all come from two latin words hostia uh which means uh, um, a sacrificial victim and hospice the genitive of which the form of which is hospitis and remember the time and alcohol principle of language development. Time does over the long one what alcohol does over the short run. It slurs it. Hospitis became hospit became hosped, host. Hospital comes from that word. That is a place uh, um, where you, you uh, are cared for. But then you've got hostis, which means an enemy, someone who is hostile. So the word hostile, hospital, and host all seem to come from the same word. They come from two different words. I know this is totally confusing, but English is totally confusing, especially if she ain't your first language. So the Lord, this is the Lord of, of Sabaoth means armies. The Lord God of hosts means the Lord God of the armies, yeah, as in the host of, of a host of soldiers. Phew, I'll move on now. And it's for call all... Uh, 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 Hamim, uh, um, uh, let's see here. For all the peoples, a nation is a goy, a people is an am, but for all the peoples, uh, on this mountain, <clears throat> a feast of, well, it, 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 let's see, this is an interesting word. It means uh, a feast of fat. <laughs> It literally means, you know, they translate it juicy, uh, you know, juicy food. I don't know about juicy food, but, you know, that sounds to me like this, the pasta is overcooked. But the word is a feast of fatness, of fat things. <laughs> you know, it isn't a land flowing with, with skim milk and NutraSweet. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So... Okay, that's that's what the word is. Uh, shemen. It's a, it's related to the word Gethsemane. Got is a garden, and Shemen is oil. So the uh, the garden of Gethsemane is the olive oil garden, the oil garden. That is <laughs> so, some weird, wild stuff. It is. It is. But you know, we are so supposedly diet conscious in our society, and we're all worried about what we're eating because we're all the size of small trucks. Um, you know. It, 
Oh, boy. And I'm off the track. I'm off the track on. You know, we worry so much about it. I wonder if we worried less about it, <laughs> we might lose some weight. But it is. this is not going to be lean round steak. It's going to be prime rib, very well marbled. A feast. And then it's... <clears throat> It's it's not just wine. It's a feast of of wine on the lees. In other words, it's wine on the the dregs. This is uh, a wine that's been mis- resting undisturbed, and it's a it's a stronger and and possibly sweeter wine. So it it's wine on the lees. And wine, you know, they you know they they kind of uh, siphon the wine. Um, my my grandfather used to make wine. He felt a house that during the the prohibition, he felt a house without wine was not a home. And uh, you know that there that's funny that that he came from that part of Germany. His family came from that part of Germany that couldn't decide it was France or Germany and its wine country. So he had that wine in the house, and he made wine. And one of my mother's jobs as a little girl was to siphon the wine. And uh, one day she got a snoot full of it and woke up the next day. So Grandpa made some good stuff. This is unsiphoned wine. It's just been allowed to mature on the dregs of the wine. And it's, uh, one would think it's good stuff. So this is, this is what the Lord is promising us. And fat things, we got back to, you know, more fat things, Shemanim. And it's full of marrow. I mean, uh, it's, uh, um, literally means, uh, full of, full of, I don't know. It's the word macham means literally to wipe, to wipe out. It, it's uh, you can picture somebody with a piece of bread soaking up the grease. That dude, this is not an elegant banquet. I have a feeling. So um, uh, the the wine on the lees and uh, what what do they do to it? It's mesokim. It's um, it's 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 been refined. The the wine on the lees. So you know this really sounds good. All right. Well, that's the banquet. But the thing I think that's important and spiritual. <laughs> that has some spiritual meaning. It's for all the 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 uh, the peoples, and and then uh, let's see here if I can find this again. Oh, there's a lot in this reading, so um, you know I think I think we need to pay attention because it really relates to the reading we had before. Um, let me see. It's a it's a feast for all the best the, uh, for all the people. So I, that I'm I'm beating that horse. I shouldn't talk that way. It offends people, but I'm beating that uh, inanimate object to death here. All right, let's move on. The gospel. Oh no, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. Well, let's let's look at this in some depth. If you go to the verse before the reading, verse twenty-nine, it says, "Moving on there." You know, the text doesn't put this in, in the gospel text today, but in verse 29, it says, moving on from there. Well, where was the there? It was Tyre and Sidon. And this is about the Canaanite woman's faith, in which I regularly rail about these idiots who say, uh, translate the text dogs. It's, it's not appropriate to the children's food to the dogs. The word dog does not appear in the text. The word puppy is the word in the text. So I think that is really, really important. Jesus never called the Samaritan woman a dog, called her a puppy. Well, isn't that a dog? Yeah, but it's a dog you really like and you feed. The dogs did eat after the, after the, the you know, because the, they didn't have dog food back then, as far as I know. 
what they did was the, after the meal was done, the scraps uh, would be given to the to the to the puppies, to the house, to the lap dogs. So um, uh, I think that's an important thing to understand. So he heals the daughter of the Canaanite woman, <clears throat> uh, who's of course not Jewish. He's in Tyre and Sidon, and then they walk for two days. Moving on from there, the there is about oh, what is it? It's about. 50 miles, was it 83 kilometers or something? It's about 50 miles from the Sea of Galilee. And then he goes right, the word in Greek is pata. He, he walks right to the edge of the Sea of Galilee, but then he goes up the mountain and sits down there. When Jesus is sitting down there, he wants to teach. Doesn't work out. Great crowds came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed them at his feet, and he cured them. So he's he's setting to, to you know it's oh here's more description it's eistoros in Greek which means up the it can mean up the hill or into the hill can into the high country I've shared this with you before the Sea of Galilee is below sea level when you when you're going down the road to the Sea of Galilee there's a sign that says sea level the entire valley from the Sea of Galilee which is really just a glorified lake all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is just a really big glorified lake. It's all below sea level, and it's very warm, and it's very fertile, uh, and uh, uh, it was well populated, a lot of people. And it, it was as if in a, a bowl that, the, that you'd have to go up to get out of it, and, and up the hill, and it was, it was not, the land was not good. It was not that dry. It was not that fertile. It was dry. It was, it was not a desert, but it was, it was, Unpopulated. The Sea of Galilee, I think I've seen estimates that millions of people lived around it. Very, very uh, hospitable to uh, to uh, human habitation. Up the hill, it was just the flat. Well, it was hilly, but it, it was it was dry. So when Jesus wanted to get away from the crowds and spend time with the Lord, with his Father in prayer, he would go Eistoros, which as you translate onto the mountain. It wasn't into the onto the mountain. It was up the hill, kind of. It's a prodigious, uh, prodigious walk, but it, it's really the the flatter land up from the Sea of Galilee. So he goes up there. This is note. This is Matthew the fifteenth chapter. At that point, great crowds to him come, having with them, and he doesn't teach them. He heals them and he feeds them. I think that's kind of interesting. Jesus doesn't teach them; he heals them and he feeds them. He teaches his disciples. And then Jesus says that his heart was moved with pity for the crowd. They've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry for fear that they may collapse on the way. Where would we ever get enough bread to satisfy such a crowd? And he says, what do you got? What do you got? I don't think he said it that way. How many loaves do you have? What do you got? So he ordered the crowd to sit on the ground. He took the seven loaves broke them and, and uh, broke up the fish. I imagine it was smoked or salted fish. That's what, you know, that was what you had when you traveled. You, you just had the stuff. Um, personally, I find it repulsive. A lot of people like it. All right. <clears throat> and the English eat it for breakfast. Oh, but the kippers, okay. Uh, I'm really digressing. Well, they multiplied all these loaves and fishes and you know, this, I don't believe this was the, a miracle of generosity. A lot of preachers say that 
you know, that everybody had food. They just then they just shared it. Jesus commented when he was uh, um, he, he mentioned, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They're crossing the, the Sea of Galilee in the boat. And the, the disciples said, oh, he knows we forgot to bring bread. And he said to them, what are you talking about? Don't you remember when I multiplied the seven loaves and when I multiplied? He, Jesus himself refers to the two instances and says that he did this. So I think Jesus thought it was a miracle. So I'm going to go with Jesus on this and not with popular preaching. So um, what's going on here? <clears throat> Let's look at where Jesus is coming from. He's coming from Tyre and Sidon. That's the there that's in this passage. And what does he do in Tyre and Sidon? He has this, this repartee, this, which I see as kind of almost humorous, and they would have been smiling. He has this repartee with this woman who talks about feeding the puppies, uh, 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 the kinarion. Uh, and, and Jesus says, you have great faith, and he heals her daughter. So he heals and he feeds. He's feeding in, in, the, in a context. He goes up the mountain, up into the hill country to get away from the crowd. The crowd follows him. He's gone up to teach his disciples. And since there's such a press, a press of people, he can't teach his disciples with words. So he decides to teach them another way. He says, you feed them. And he, he miraculously multiplies bread and feeds the crowd. Do you see what's going on here? We move from feeding the puppies to feeding the multitude, healing the Canaanite woman's daughter and healing all the sick and the lame. Jesus is teaching his disciples. That's why he went up the mountain. And this time there was a crowd. This was no sermon on the mount. This was a healing service and a banquet. Let's go back to the, the let's go back to the, the gospel or the first reading. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will provide a feast for all peoples, not just for Israel. The Canaanite woman participated in the banquet and so did the 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 the, the Jews, the, the 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 Israelites. So and what's he doing? He says he will destroy the veil that veils all people. He will destroy death. He had just, he was healing them just as he was in Lebanon. He was healing the daughter of the Canaanite woman. He's up on the, the, the high country near the Sea of Galilee, and he's healing the people. He's destroying death. He's feeding the nations. He's feeding Israel. These two come together, and he's teaching his disciples to me, this is magnificent. The, the, even as literature, this is magnificent. But it's magnificent as, as a revelation of the, the very nature of God, that, that, that uh, the messianic promise is that he will feed the nations as well as Israel, and he'll heal the nations as well as Israel. Where does that happen? How, do, how is that ultimately fulfilled? It's ultimately filled, filled in the Mass. He feeds the nations in the mass and he heals the nations and consoles them and destroys death in the mass by the, by the presence of his risen body and blood, his soul and his divinity. Mass is the ultimate fulfillment of the messianic banquet and the messianic healing 
And it's the fulfillment of the multiplication of loaves and fishes. That was the Messiah was going to do that. That was one of the messianic expectations. He was going to renew the man in the wilderness and feed everybody. Well, he did it and he does it at mass. This is all breathtaking. And if you do not have the mass, uh, I don't think you can really understand what Jesus does. We're going to take a break. We will come back. And I hope that was sufficiently obscure. Oh, 888-914-9149. The phones are open at 888-914-9149. We will be right back. Father Simon says, Fragile. It must be Italian. On Relevant Radio. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester. An Illinois Life Insurance Society not available in all states. Well, way up north where the air gets cold, there's a tale about Christmas that you've all been told. And a real famous cat all dressed up in red. What is this? Uh, this is a song of my youth, a, a very strange period in American art. Oh, never mind. I complain so much. Oh, Lord, help make me less. <laughs> when I think of a fine wine, I think of complaining. Never mind. Okay, moving along here. Let me press a button and then. Oh, good goodness. Oh, this is somebody who wants to be confidential. So, okay, no, yeah, that yeah, I'll be confidential on that one. Okay, oh, this is a good one. This is from Carol. Can the devil or any bad spirits enter a Catholic church where the Blessed Sacrament is present in the tabernacle? Oh, you better believe it. Don't you know? I mean, Jesus was present. Uh, you know, Jesus is, is present in his, in his risen body in the tabernacle. But he was present in his mortal body uh, and there's the, the risen body and the mortal body are not two different bodies in Christ. I, I don't believe they are. You know, the body that rose from the dead is the reality of, of, of Jesus' mortal body. But, you know, the mortal, as St. Paul tells us, has become immortal. But, yeah, Jesus was there and the devil was right there taunting him. So, yes, the fact that Jesus is there, it's like, who is the, the bank robber? Was it Dillinger who they asked him why he robbed banks? He said that's where the money is. You know, the devil is very prone to, to sneaking. Well, what did what did the Saint Saint uh, Paul Saint Pope Paul the Sixth say that the smoke of Satan has entered the church? So yes, the devil. <laughs> but you don't have to be afraid of him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're in a state of grace. You're prayed up, and uh, our job is not to be afraid of the devil. It's to make the devil afraid of us. Have you ever thought about that? Thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When I hear that, I would always think of us in kind of a fortress, keeping the devil out. The opposite is true. We're supposed to charge the devil. You know, we're supposed to we're supposed to be knocking on the very gates of hell. Uh, um the gates of hell, the gates and when when Jesus said hell, he meant the underworld. Really, what we would think of as purgatory, I suppose, and limbo. But um, yes, the limbo is still a possible theological uh, concept moving along. But 
we are, especially when we pray for the, the, uh, um, this is another, uh, um, defense of purgatory that not many people think of. We are to storm the gates of the underworld. How do you do that by prayer to release the, the souls in, in purgatory. The Greeks have the, the Eastern, the Orthodox and the Eastern church have a beautiful icon called the harrowing of hell. It was Jesus descends into the, into the underworld to, to, to release the souls in chains. We read about in, in, in St. Peter, I think third chapter of first Peter, you know, that, that we're the one, the whole point I'm trying to make is the devil should be far more worried about us than we are about him. Now that doesn't mean you take the devil lightly. I mean, this is serious stuff. You don't, you don't enter into these things. You don't go ghost hunting. You don't. That's that's forbidden to us. Ghost hunting is forbidden to us. If if uh, some arcane spirit were to contact you, well, that's not your problem. You just, you know, you just rebuke Satan. How do you rebuke Satan? Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. It's a good old Pentecostal trick, and it works wonderfully. But you know. We need to have a healthy respect for the, the, the power of the unseen world. But still, we are in a spiritual warfare. That's why, we, that's why I say the rosary every day. I'm not going to go out without my sword. So uh, uh, Bible and the rosary, where you have lots of equipment. I'm, I'm, you got this letter pressed a button. So yes, yes, bad spirits can enter a Catholic church. They might not be very comfortable there if there's a congregation that's in the state of grace. But... And especially Jesus in the tabernacle, but yeah, okay. Okay, this is anonymous. If we believe that Orthodox churches have apostolic succession and valid sacraments, then why can't we fulfill our Sunday obligation by attending one of those churches? In emergency, we can. There. In emergency, we can if there's no other option. But you see, we're trying to enter into communion, even if we cannot receive the Eucharist because of some, some situation. We are still entering into intimate union, and it's dishonest to say, well, we're all in this together. Yeah, we are, but we're not united in a way that that allows us to, to uh, fulfill our obligations to community, our obligations to, to union with fellow believers by attending a church that is not in union with us. That's why, you know, part of... Part of uh, uh, you know, the family meal is to come together in the father's house. And, you know, that, that if there's brothers and sisters who have decided they're not going to be in the father's house or they think they are in the father's house, that we're not, we're not fulfilling an obligation. So the, the obligation is to the Lord and to the, the community of believers. And when that community is broken, we have to be honest about it. So that's why, at least that's how I see it. Um, moving along here. Well, let me look at the time. Oh, we're doing all right. Click that button. Click that button. Click that button in here. Okay. Okay. This is a very long letter. No, it's not that long. Um, this is, uh, uh I'm, I'm just gonna, uh, uh, I, I don't want to mention any names in this one. It's not that bad, but Back in the day when I went through the Life and the Spirit seminar in my attempt to learn more and grow in my faith, I always felt out of step with the pack. Uh, when I was prayed over, I didn't swoon. <laughs> uh, um, as a divorcee with two little boys who was working her way through college, I knew that Jesus would no more tell me uh, that, um, uh, that uh, 
when I was I was not a good fit for membership in in a in a particular charismatic group. Uh, I knew the Lord wouldn't wouldn't say that with uh, no more. Tell me that than elephants would fly. Um, this is a person who was involved in the, that renewal very early on. He says there are no honorary titles. Uh, um, you know that that I think that this is a very important thing. Um, you know, with the Lord, one size doesn't fit all. If you're in a movement that's a blessing to you, understand it might not be a blessing to someone else. That that one size doesn't fit all. I remember my, my dear mother thought that the charismatic renewal was wonderful. It's just she couldn't pray that long. And she was a woman who prayed constantly. But uh, she was not that, that it wasn't her cup of tea. It was my cup of tea. Uh, um but then there were parts of it that weren't my cup of tea. I remember uh, I would go to these big conferences and they would only allow the certified prophets to prophesy. And they would come up with big leaflet, uh, with big folders, with with locutions in the my little, turn the page, children, I love you, turn the page, I really love you. Okay, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I've known people who have a genuine gift of prophecy and it is humble in other words, it isn't the Lord saying this. Saying, I think this is what the Lord's saying. It's humble. And when you hear it, it's it's brief. It's like an arrow to the heart and the hair stands up on your arm. Not a 10-page you know, thing that you read from a microphone at a conference. And uh, uh, I remember when I said that, I suddenly became persona non grata with that particular group. And, uh, you know, this idea that... that, that uh, I remember in the Spanish. I, I'm now. I'm really off the track. I remember the Spanish charismatic renewal that, that there was a dispute and they wanted to, to the leadership of the of the group, a group of deacons who were, quite convinced of their infallibility. They wanted to say no one may use the word Catholic unless they said so. I thought that right belonged to the bishop. I said, and. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. Religion is an interesting thing. <laughs> it's, I, I, I think that much of it is not exactly what the Lord planned, uh, especially when human beings see it as a way to augment their personal power. Um, you know, I think it is very important that we understand no matter what religious movement we're in, that the greatest compliment that can be paid to a Christian, Paul had the title. Our Blessed Mother called this herself as a slave. We're the slaves of the Lord, and uh, we're not in charge of anybody. The Lord is. We can do our best. You know, if we realize our purpose in life is to be a servant of the Lord, then the Lord can begin to use us. But when we decide we're in charge of something that, uh, well, we're not. We're just, we're just, as we read in the Gospel of Luke, we're just useless servants. We've done no more than was our duty. So I think it very important that, that when you get into a movement, uh, gauge it by the humility and the joy of the leadership. That's what I would do. The humility, that if they see themselves as servants and if there's a joy about them, then it might be a decent movement. All right, well, that's just my thought on it, having been involved in many movements in my life, and now I move very little. All right, that said, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back with a word of the day, and uh, it won't be juicy. We've already beat that into the ground. Oh, there's more rock and roll Christmas music. God help us. Lord, have mercy on us. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't too far behind. 
Join Father Rocky and Drew for the Family Rosary Across America on the eve of the Guadalupe Feast at 7 p.m. Central this Monday, December 11th, live from the Shrine of Christ's Passion in St. John, Indiana, with hot chocolate, a drone light show, and fireworks. Can't make it in person? Watch it all live at relevantradio.com slash rosary. Sometimes I'm right, but I can be wrong. My own beliefs are in my song. The butcher, the banker, the drummer, and then well, it's no difference what I'm reminded of my journalistic motto. What I don't know, I can always make up. At any rate, all right. Uh, word of the day, word of the day. You know, no, there's still plenty of lines open, I'm told, and I'm looking at them. Yeah, there's lines open. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Relevant radio. Where else can you watch fireworks on the radio? That is so cool. All right, moving along. Um, when I was a boy. <laughs> all right. Wait, wait. Oh, the word of the day. I, I was really thinking and praying about that text uh, that we had, I think it was last week, Romans, uh, the 10th chapter. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, I, I guess, you know, I, I've shared this word a zillion times and told you that when you see the word believe, the verb believe or the noun faith in the scriptures, you can translate it as trust. It is it is the same exact word in Greek as trust. Um verb and noun. So if you trust in your heart, well, the problem is I don't trust in my heart. I trust in my head. So I guess the word that I just want to ask that question, do you believe in your heart or is your belief only in your head? You know, we in the business of religion have a great temptation to what is called notional faith. In other words, yeah, I, I, I can, I, I'm of the opinion. We translate the word believe as to be of the opinion. I believe I am of the opinion that these things are true. Now let's get on with the meeting. I'll never forget a young African priest. I was at a great meeting of the clergy, and and uh, he looked so dejected. And I said, "Miss in Africa, huh?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You never thought you'd be at a meeting of priests where God wasn't mentioned?" He said, "You're exactly right." I, I hope I don't scandalize people by that, but you know, you can get so caught up, especially diocesan priests. You one gets so caught up in the constant business of religion. And I don't blame the clergy alone. It's what people expect. I, how many times have I stood in a vestibule dressed in vestments, ready to process up the aisle to begin the worship of God? When someone comes and says, Father, there's no toilet paper in the ladies' room. What can I do about it at this moment? Nothing. Father, the kneeler in the third pew from the back is broken. Someone's going to hurt themselves if you do something. I can't at this moment. So pretty soon, you know, to me, the worst, worst, you know, we talk about liturgical abuses, which are rife in our times. But there's a liturgical abuse that no one notices that may be the worst liturgical abuse because it's a foundational liturgical abuse. The priest is vesting in the sacristy, and there are actually prayers that are prescribed for the priest to say when he vests. The sacristy where the priest is vesting is chaos. Hey, Father, 
How you been? When, when, when a parish priest gets out to say mass, he is worried about the broken kneeler, the toilet paper in the ladies' room, and, Hey, Fada, you heard this joke? There is, there is no, no dignity in the preparation for mass. So how's there going to be dignity for mass? And what happens, we react by our, our, our life as priests becomes a life of, of problem-solving regarding broken kneelers, toilet paper, leaking roofs, and the constant demand for, for, for an audience that people bring to us. There's no permission for a parish priest to be holy. And consequently, we're not. I mean, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I have met so many holy parish priests. But they are, it's a struggle to do it. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that, that notional faith saves no one. How many meetings of, of diocesan, uh, et cetera, et cetera, have I been to where God just doesn't figure in? Oh, Lord, if you mind your own business, we'll build you a kingdom. Amen. I told you this. The kingdom of God, building the kingdom, you will not find that phrase in the New Testament, and you won't find it in a good translation of the Old Testament. In Jeremiah, there's a line I've sent you to build up, and they usually translate it, build up kingdoms, but it's tear down and build up, and then there's a lot of things. But you can't build the kingdom. Jesus said, little children, your heavenly Father has given you a kingdom. No thanks, Lord. We're building one for you. We'll get back to you when we're done. And that attitude prevails increasingly in meetings regarding the faith. No one, I have, I, I cannot remember any meetings to speak of. Maybe there are a few, and I've been to thousands and thousands of meetings in my life as a priest. I have, I have never. Well, relevant radio is kind of an exception. We really do pray. I'm not, I'm not making that up. I'm not being pious. It really is. It's a lot of prayer goes on there. But, but so many meetings I attended in my life. No one ever asked, well, what do you think God wants? Nobody asked it. Is this what God wants? You know, building the new parking lot. Is this what God wants? Why would you ask a thing like that? How do we know what God wants? Next. So I just think um, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So I'm just asking myself. I'm asking you. Do you believe it in your head or do you believe it in your heart? All right, let's move on to phone calls. This is smart. Maxwell smart. Agnes, what can I do for you? Yes, Father. I was having a discussion with a parish priest, and we were discussing the ordination of women, and he said he believes that it will happen and that it should happen. My response to him was, I talked about Persona Christi at the time of consecration. He said, no, no, no. He said, it's, it, it, you know, the Blessed Mother bore Jesus in her womb, and therefore that justifies, that's one of the justifications for ordination of women. How do I respond to that? We had a very civil conversation, but I was just kind of shocked. Well, I would say, well, that's very interesting because there's no record that our Blessed Mother functioned as one of the, one of the, or Mary Magdalene functioned as one of the, the first apostles and bishops of the church. You know, if our Blessed Mother should have said Mass, why why didn't she? Uh, there's no record in the early church documents of that. But, Father, um, you're entitled to your opinion. And 
you worship God in your way and I'll worship him in his. And I would, there's, you know, and were he my pastor, I would find a new parish, frankly. You know, that Pope, uh, St. Paul, John Paul the Great and the current pontiff uh, have both said that women cannot, not may not, but cannot be ordained uh, to the sacrament of holy orders. And, you know, that, that uh, well, that's not fair. What do you mean fair? These are gifts. They're not, they're not anyone's right. Uh, I would point him to the parable of the, of the workers in the vineyard, the ones who came early and late. God doesn't do, God doesn't work by our rules. Um, but he's not going to listen to you. He's, he's, uh, is he an old guy? No, he's young. No, well, mid, young? middle age, middle age, oh, middle age, uh-huh. ballpark, uh-huh. 40, 50, 50, well, you know, 50. Yeah. Most young priests are, are Catholic and unlike priests, my age, many of whom mm-hmm. have created their own religion. Um, uh, well, he did Cardinal say, Father, George, that we should, he said that, that we should feminize the church more, that women are oh. equal to men. <laughs> Oh, that that's that's kind of funny because uh, it's it's plenty feminized. Um, well, this is an approach that one can take. Say, well, I really do believe that Jesus intended only men to be ordained because, uh, you know, it's affirmative action. Men are the weaker sex. You men need mm-hmm. to be ordained. We women, we don't. We we give life in our wombs. So mm-hmm. God, in His kindness, allows you to give life uh, by the mm-hmm. grace of ordination. And I really think that that's yeah. that's sort of uh, symbolically true, that that mm-hmm. that that women women are you know no one ever says you know they'll say oh stop crying be a man no one ever says stop crying be a woman, you know women are women they know they're women they don't have to prove it men mm-hmm. always have to prove they're men and now men are proving that they're men by by being feminine mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, there's yeah. so many, you know, so I, what I would say is just tell this guy, you know, well, the, I believe that the reason that God ordains men is because men are so weak and they need it. Women don't need it. And then just move on. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I mean that, okay, I mean well. that the, the strongest people I've ever known are women. You mm-hmm. know, they really are. I've known yeah. some strong women. So I hope that helps a little. No. It does, because I think the laity, when we have to tell the priest, you know, the, the catechism or anything like that. I mean, years ago, that would never happen. But oh, it's yeah, becoming more frequent in my encounters. I mean, I'm hearing this, and we need to accept LGBTQ, and we need to accept gay blessings, and the church needs to change. <laughs> you go, no, no. Yeah. So anyway, it's a challenge for us to know, like the apologetics. I mean, I'm studying that so that I yes. can respond to this, because I'm running Good. into it with consecrated religious, too. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. We accept we in the church accept all people. We do not accept all ideologies and all, all philosophies. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the church is a hospital for sinners like me. And, and, you know, no matter what your difficulty is, you are more than welcome in our church. But mm-hmm. we believe that we believe what Jesus taught and we can't depart mm-hmm. from him. If we do, and we're not going to depart from him for your sake. Jesus did not ordain women. We do not ordain women mm-hmm. because they right. don't need it. They're strong enough without it. Okay. So, well, thanks. Thanks for calling in, Agnes. Thank I should move on, but you, you hit a hot button with Thank me. You. God bless. Let's go to Velma from Robstown, Texas. What can I do for you? Hi, Father. How are you doing? I love your show, by the way, Father. Thank, Thank you. you for everything Thank you, you do. 
Father, my, my granddaughter asked me, how was it determined that Jesus' birthday was on December the 25th? And, um, well, I was a little bit left speechless. Well, the reason that we celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th is because it's nine months after the uh, it's nine months after the Annunciation, and the Annunciation the 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 Jews believed that a prophet died on the anniversary of his conception, and so from one of the possible dates of the crucifixion. Oh gosh, I'm going to have to click on this. Is it? It's March 25th, Feast of the Incarnation. Uh, Feast of the Annunciation. Feast of the Annunciation. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yes, I was right. I was right. March 25th. Ha! All right. Yes, the uh, certain calendar reckonings in the early church celebrated the crucifixion of Christ, not the not the feast, because the Jews had a very strange, partly solar, partly lunar calendar. But the calendar date on certain calendars for the crucifixion was March 25th. Thus, Jesus was conceived on March 25th. Thus, nine months after his conception is December 25th. That's why we celebrate on December 25th. I don't know if that makes sense to you, does it? It does, Father. It does. Thank you so much. I actually Googled it on, uh, but then I thought, well, uh, Google isn't always right, so let me ask Father no. Simon. He's always right. well, of course. Who is always right? <laughs> yes, yes. Get some get some of his stuff from Google. Unfortunately, the uh, um, you know the 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 uh, um, the celebration of the birth of Christ on December twenty fifth. I used to think that's ridiculous, but I've come to think it may actually have been December twenty fifth uh, from what I I read and stuff, but. When people say no, it's a it was an ancient Roman feast that the Christians took over. No, the ancient Roman feast was at December sixteenth, and the Romans actually put in a feast on December twenty fifth, centuries after uh, the birth of Christ, to try to cloud over the memory of of Christ's birthday. Uh, that that mm-hmm. this is not. This is not an imitation of a Roman feast. The opposite was true, that the Roman feast was in imitation of the Christian feast, the Feast of the Unconquered Son, Saul Invictus. Uh, and that's because Christians believed Jesus was crucified on March 25th, thus he was conceived on March 25th, thus he was born on December 25th. One okay. year, and then the nine months from March 25th is December 25th. That's why we celebrate this day, because... It was believed from the beginning. So I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you so much, Father. God bless You're you. welcome. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Carla. Are you with us, Carla, from Staten Island? What can I do for you? Good afternoon, Father. I have a question. During the period of time from when the Jewish people entered the Promised Land until basically the Babylonian captivity, captivity did they have a belief in a messiah at that point or was that did that come out of the babylonian captivity since they were expecting no. a king no it, it precedes it precedes we see references in isaiah who that was that probably were from before the uh the babylonian captivity a star uh, a shoot will rise out of the stump of jesse and we see even in the Torah, a star will rise out of out of Israel. Uh, uh, you know, okay, the, because the, all the, the references I've seen, all the references 
I've seen talk about being a descendant of David. Yes. And I was yes. wondering if during that period of time from when they had been rescued from the Egyptians and moved in, into in the, the promised yes. land. Yes, if in, this in the, the story existed. of in the story of Balaam and Balak, we see the prophet uh, Balaam saying uh, a star will rise out of Israel. You know that that uh, that was the begin. That was the, the most clear uh, Torah prediction of a Messiah, and the idea grew and fermented and and took shape. But um, it it was there that there would be a, a redeemer uh, uh, for Israel. It does seem to have been there in the earliest in the earliest days. So I hope that helps a little. Surely it does. I hadn't been able Carly, to find anything early. Well, no, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, I hope uh, that helps. So it does. Oh, there's music. I gotta go. Drew's coming up, so I gotta go. All right. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, God willing. And 